This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. If by chance you hear silence in our last block of our show today, it will be because Justin and I are like knee deep in a puddle of Portuguese tarts. <laughs> wow. Because it's Caldense Bakery? I don't know how to say it, but thank you, Derek Brandeo. Our tech guru, Derek Brandeo, brought us a box of Portuguese tarts that are off the charts. Wow. Good. My God. And you couldn't even wait. No, I didn't even bother. I didn't pretend I was going to wait. I just <laughs> All I hear is like the countdown to the show, and I'm like, <laughs> it's like sitting beside Cookie Monster. Just but, a tad. You know I eat a chocolate bar a day. This is uh, this is an upgrade. Uh, That's not Cookie Monster from Sesame Street. That is JB eating a Portuguese tart. Yeah, and there's five Our left in that box. thanks to Derek. Of course, the cast is here. Jen Rolnick, Derek, Sammy McKee, and JB were ready to rock and roll for the next two hours on what should be... Yeah, pretty darn good hockey game teed up for the Toronto Maple Leafs as Tampa comes in. Sammy, is this correct? They haven't played here yet this year. Why does it feel like they've been here already? The Leafs played there. Just an away game so far. Yeah, they played there, um, and they lost 4-3 in overtime. So here we are, two games left. Are we going to feel a playoff type environment or are we going to see two teams with one with the corner of their eye on Christmas presents Portuguese tarts and and, uh, presents and get me to uh, the finish line here. I don't think so. Like there's still another game left before the Christmas break for them. I feel like this is you're far enough away. It's Tampa Bay. Who's on a hot streak. I feel like you're going to get a great showing tonight. This should be a great hockey game. I mean, I'm I'm pumped to be honest. This is, I love hockey this time of year. Being in the building feels different. Great energy, right? Excited for the, the Tampa Bay Lightning to come in tonight. What are they won? Five in a row, something like that. I do get the sense that this one, and there's just no way that Sheldon Keefe would at least not drive it through all his players that mm-hmm. we have lost two in a row here. And I don't want to go into the break losing three of four or four into the break. I got to think that he is the attention to detail the last 24, 48 hours from Sheldon Keefe to his players will be there tonight. And how do you not once again look at as 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 a bit of a measuring stick? And I know we we joke around, but as Boston continues to win, yeah, like it. It almost feels like it is a foregone conclusion that these two teams will see each other in April. Yeah, I mean, they are eight points behind the Boston Bruins right now, and Boston has a game, so they don't seem catchable. Behind Tampa Bay is the Buffalo Sabres of all teams, who are uh, 10 points behind Toronto. Like, the likelihood of Toronto finishing two or three in the division is extremely likely. The likelihood of the Tampa Bay finishing there, almost exactly the same. They're three points behind Toronto with two games in hand. Boys, Tampa, Toronto, is it set in December? Yeah. Mm. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Gary. <laughs> thanks, Gary. He wants, he, he wants more games 
Uh, he wants more games and more rivalry games. So he just wants all these teams to play more and have more of a death march towards what's the inevitable here. Like the, this I, has this has a chance to be really embarrassing if, in fact, that your top three teams in the league are Boston, Tampa Bay, and Toronto, and one gets eliminated. Yeah, I, I don't think it's sour grapes to be upset about this. Like, I think it's Tampa probably feels the same way. Yeah, I'm I'm with Sammy on this. Really? Well, yeah, I am. When you consider that, like, three out of five. Over the course of 82 games, and you pin them against each other. Yeah. In the opening round. It is. It's not good for your league either. No, it's like, just it's not good Metro. for. It's just. It makes it really look like it's an 82 game exhibition season. It does. It, it doesn't put a huge emphasis on where you finish. The Metro Division, the least to be tied for first in the Metro right now. New Jersey's lost five straight games. I mean. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you guys. There is there is justification for some frustration, but anyone, you know, uh, who isn't a Leafs fan will say, oh, you got to beat everyone, yada, yada. I I personally hate that. To me, you, you do well enough the regular season, you should have a softer round one opponent. Do we want to listen to um, John Cooper, who we had featured in Kippers Clippers today because you said it was a playoff type field. I remember last playoffs, we played a lot of clips from him. Do you want to hear him talking about the Atlantic division? Because it's very relevant to this conversation. Yes, I do. Let her rip. I'll tell you, it says something about the three organizations that have somehow found a way to be at the top for quite a number of years now. And um, it's just tough because you know you're going to face one or two of those teams if you're fortunate enough to get the playoffs. And I don't care what anybody says about our playoff series against the Leafs last year. That was uh, that could have gone either way. And it's uh, fortunately went our way. But it's they're tough games to play. And you know, Boston's obviously kind of in another level right now um but it can be daunting sitting here saying you got 50 games left but knowing that if you keep playing the way you're playing you know we might be visiting the team next door uh again in, in april he's all prepared so just to stick on this theme and yes there is something to be said that tampa bay toronto albeit first round exits are, are keeping people in the belief that they can compete for for cups. And I get it. You know, I, I can hear the Snickers now. I get out of the first round. Don't talk. But we do believe that they are one of the stronger teams in the National Hockey League. I mean, it's not like they embarrass themselves against Tampa who went to the But final. are you one that believes that because of the salary cap that it is cyclical? Mm-hmm. that it's only a matter of time. And we thought, all three of us and many in the hockey world, that it was just Boston's time to fall into that cycle and drop off this season. Yeah. Didn't happen. Tampa Bay, we've been, same thing. Come on. They're going to run out of gas. They're tired. It's run its course. Mm-hmm. And yet here they are. So... Is it going to be a matter of time here still? Like, will these top three teams drop? You know, I think and, it's... And the Buffaloes will come up, and the Detroits, and it's... It, will it be their turn in the next two years I or under? I think the process, the circle of life you're talking yes. about, takes longer than we think. Because you look at the teams who are starting to drop out of it, 
And, you know, we thought for years, remember when Chicago won the cup and L.A. won the cup and they hung on and hung on, didn't want to start the rebuild till eventually you have to? That's Washington right now who's trying it. Teetering. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is climbing but teetering. Tampa Bay's teetering. Boston will lose Bergeron and Krejci next yeah. year. Yeah, and Tampa Bay's core is, you yeah. know, older guys like, you know, Hedman and, and Stamkos you know, and Kucherov. I'll, I'll say it. Two years from now, three years from now, you don't know what the Leafs are going to look like. No. There's no guarantees that Matthews resigns. There's no guarantees that there'll be enough for, for Nylander. Marner will need a new contract in three years. It's like, you, you don't know. Maybe the cycle, did, 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 these, these teams may be missing the cycle. Or you, you can, you avoid, can you avoid that cycle? No one can avoid it. The circle of life. I don't know. And old Boston again last night, 7-3 win over the... Ten, ten, yeah, yeah, Florida's. But still, but I mean, they, they just they win every night. They have a possible 52 or 62 points this year. Like, <laughs> That's look pretty at, unbelievable. Look at uh, um, Hagel mm-hmm. with Tampa Bay. Cost him two first-rounders. I know. And scratching your head. and But he knew he was going to lose Palat, and he yeah. knew that Hagel would come in and, and fill that void. Yep. And he's cost got, him two first rounders, but that's part of avoiding the drop off in the cycle. Should we do Cooper well, on how they find guys? Yeah, that's actually perfect. For how they know. find guys yeah. who fit their system? Yeah. Perfect. Well, I think a big part of it is the communication between, you know, let's say myself, the GM, and and what and our players and what we need as a group. And it's hard to go out and find that. Um, many times, you, know, you go to a deals are made where. Maybe you're looking for that top four or quote-unquote top six player. It's kind of not been what we've gone after the last few years. <clears throat> Excuse me. We look at that, you know, some of these character guys that we've tried to bring in on contracts that fit for us. So that's probably the biggest kicker is trying to find those guys. And then, you know, we've probably been looked at for kind of the price we've given up for some players, but... Brandon Hagel's a top-line player for us with multiple years in his contract. You have to pay for those. If they cost you two first-round picks, they cost you two first-round picks. But he's also been a big part of us going to a final and a big part of why we're in a playoff spot right now. So I just think our GM's done a heck of a job of you know, us as a group identifying what we need and then him going out and finding it and then not being afraid to pay, for a, pay the price for it. Oh, and no state tax. <laughs> Let's just throw that in there, yeah. too. But it is a good point that they're not finding superstars, but they're paying for guys who can help them and not cost much because they're in a cap crunch like everyone else. So let me ask you this because we're talking about the possible matchup. Do you like because I mean they don't talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning the way that we talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, but let's say that they have their you know ten minute corner on the Lightning when they talk on their sports radio at the station for a full day and they spend on the box show yeah, they, they throw they, in they, Lightning they, Corner yeah Lightning Corner for ten seconds that they throw in there. Do you think that they would be talking about being scared to face the Leafs in the first round again? Do you think, or do you think they would be looking forward to the, you know, they think they own them, it's the, it's the, the veteran savvy, they can beat them. Like, do you think there's a fear from their side of it too? I think it's I, a I don't great know. question. I'm interested. It's a great question. What do you think? Not from what I hear. Really? Yeah. I just, you never want to play a good team with elite superstars and the yeah. Leafs have that. Like superstars can yeah. beat you and these are prime age superstars. I think a guy like Bogosian, who's been on both sides, can say that, yes, the skill can beat you, but they 
they're not going to wear you down. They're not hard to play against. They are hard to play against if you want to think that you're going to go toe to toe, but you can lean on them. You can you can you can get in their face. I don't know. Like he went through that seven game series on Tampa last year against Toronto. Yeah, where they snuck out a two one win in Game Seven. Well, I don't think maybe he... they didn't sneak it out. Maybe they're just bigger and stronger in Game Seven. No, I, I don't get the impression that they left that series going. <laughs> that was a cakewalk. No, you know? I didn't say cakewalk. Well, but, I, you know, but they... you're 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 not gonna you're not. You're not leaving bumped and bruised against the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're going to get outskilled. And I think they they would gladly take that chance over, you know, say a more physical team like like a Tom Wilson and an Ovechkin. That's all. I mean, but surely they would take Toronto or take Washington over Toronto. I just feel like there seems to be a measure of respect. And when I know that people laugh at that too, but John Cooper had some clips on that, in fact, talking about the good memories here in Toronto. But, you know, I, I just, I find it hard to believe they look at Toronto and go, ah, we can push them No, around. I'm not saying that they're going to, it may be the, the Leafs' time. Yeah. You, eventually, the percentages will work in the Leafs' favor. <laughs> right, they'll get some bounce. Someone will get right? hurt on Tampa at the right time. Something yeah. might Although happen. Point did get hurt last year. But <laughs> I, yeah, help. their best player I, got hurt. I don't think there's a, the, a fear factor yeah, yeah. that you are, are alluding to, or at least yeah. he asked me, are you scared of, of playing the Toronto? Would they be scared of playing the Toronto Maple Leafs? Yeah. I don't think so. Do you want to hear Cooper just having fun at Toronto's expense now? Nah. Let's have no, Cooper. Let's no, let's play it. Let's have Cooper. On good Just because memories. It, it depresses you, Sammy. It doesn't mean we can't play it. Ah, I shouldn't even put this clip in. <laughs> good yeah, memories in Toronto for John Cooper. Uh, yeah. Actually, there's always good memories because when we leave, come from the airport, I drive by and we see Rico where we won the Calder Cup there, and then hmm. Hotel X is right behind it. So, uh, yeah, definitely good memories coming here. That's just sticking it to the leaves. Ah, Hotel X where they won their cup in the bubble. That's right. I remember that. Oh, and what did he have to say about Nick Paul? Nick Paul, uh, oh. how he fits in with this team. Sorry, what did Nick Paul uh, give you that you guys really gave you Two goals in game seven. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He's on the all-smart-ass team right there. What did Nick Paul God. give you? Uh, Two goals in game seven. Okay, like... Like, what kind of question is that? Like, who asks what did Nick Paul give you? What have you been under a rock? Well, he gave him a lot. You don't know what Nick Paul brings the Tampa Bay Lightning that you got to ask him? I think he just wanted to th- throw up the volleyball for John Cooper to spike it down Toronto. So he's, I'll, I'll tee him up here, this alley-oop, and see if he dunks it. And he did well, whoever double asked, reverse windmill, whoever asked triple that question, sal cow yeah. dunk. Whoever, uh, thanks for the Kipper's Clipper. <laughs> yeah. Sammy's been mad about that clip for like, oh my God. I don't know. You Ten clip hours. it, and then you say, I don't want to play it. Well, listen, I understand that we have some sort of a, not as, I wouldn't say journalistic, I wouldn't say it's a very journalistic show, but we have some sort of a right to play him saying that. It's a clip, you know? Oh, yeah, we do have Johnny Journalist Johnny here, right, here, yeah. right, right. But it does piss me off big time. Well, it's also great because we listened to the clip separately today, so he had to listen to it when he clipped yes. it. He played it for me, then he played it for you, then yes. we played it on the show, and, and I think he's just reaching his he's just, point. Yeah, he's disgusted by it at that point. <laughs> Correct. I yeah, I am disgusted by it. And listen, tonight the worst part about tonight is with the Lightning is that even if the Leafs beat them and they play well, they can always be like, yeah, well, you, they just they can lean back on that. Well, yeah, 
Talk yeah. to us in April. Doesn't matter. Oh, it's December, right? And that's if we had a show tomorrow, Kipper would be like, Yeah, I played right, but it doesn't only matter. The perk of winning in the postseason is that you get to go, Well, oh, well, you can't beat us when it matters. You just yeah. get to, you know. But if you do get a sense that both teams are playing well and playing hard, there's a better indicative, indicative that it, it does show the cards a little bit more. Yeah. Like when the Leafs win and the other team you know is better but just doesn't show up and vice versa, then it's it's really hard to get a, a good sense. Mm-hmm. How many times do we see where both teams played exceptionally well but somebody won? That happens a lot in the playoffs. Or it just doesn't happen France. that often in regular season. Yeah. No, you're right. It's tough to get everyone up. So, yeah. You know, but if, these games like this are supposed to be that next level measuring stick. I, I, you know what the I, question that morning skate should have been today? Ah, oh, yeah. What do you think about all those penalties you were gifted in Game Six and Game Seven? What do you think about those ones, John? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The game was going. I was great. <laughs> are, are, the Leafs have lost two in a row. Uh, the Leafs have lost two in a row. They haven't played horrible. Uh, no, not horrible. Not horrible. Yeah. You know what I have noticed? You know what I would actually like to give this little tidbit coming out of one of our clips here. Uh, I don't know, Sammy, what's the clip about Toronto and maybe backing off their effort level a little bit, not having quite the same level of hustle. Keep on what they need heading into tonight. Let's let's do that one. Well, I think the, you know, the big thing is I think when we look at the last couple of games we've played, I mean, that's been, the level of play has been far higher than what it's been. I think you you experienced that. I sort of alluded to it earlier through an 82-game season that, uh, I think the games have different, you know, the emotion and the energy and the intensity of the games. There's an ebb and flow to that throughout the season, no matter you know, with, with who you're playing. Um, and I don't. It took us too long to get to to that level. I thought, and that's as a result, we played from behind. So you know, one of the things about that level for the Toronto Maple Leafs is looking at the stats in the last five games. Their forecheck chances and rebound chances are have like plummeted. Like they're not generating any turnovers. Yeah. They're not getting the puck in the forecheck, and they're not creating off of that. Something they did really well. They're actually in the top ten in the league still in those categories, but they've been terrible at it for the last five hockey games here. And that to me is an effort, a commitment, uh, we're going sort of thing. See, that, that to me says they're tired. Yeah, it's a physical thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, coming up to the Christmas break, I guess. Or, or, or the fact that they've had their foot on the pedal for a good month, yeah, month part of and it a half. Too, when they started four and four, I think they felt like they had to put their pet their foot on. Right? Yeah. It's like we need to go pedal oh, down. To, uh, yeah. here, hearing that major changes are coming. Yeah. Potential. You know, Sheldon gonna we gonna cost Sheldon his job. All of a sudden, they got this gap from everyone. They <laughs> pulled away, and it's like okay, we uh, breathe for a second. Here. Not to mention guys playing above their skates too, right? Like, think of all the guys that they had to put in. You mentioned Geo slowing down all the amount of time he had to play. John Tavares. Tavares, Tavares to me, Saturday night, was the the guy that I saw the most with he doesn't have his legs. Yeah. And with the the toward pace that he was on, understandable. You know, we'll listen to uh, Keith on Yarncroc in a second here because one of the things that stood out in this clip for me is he talks about how some guys 
when they have time off, it actually helps them. Like not for everyone, but some guys it does. And I remember, do you guys remember Patrick Marlowe didn't want to like ever miss a game for the Toronto Maple mm-hmm. Leafs, which used to be frustrating. But well, after, no, it was to keep, wasn't it to keep some sort of streak alive? Streak yes. Did he? But but there was a All Star break where he got like four or five days off, and he hadn't done anything good in a long time and he came back with fresh legs and it was incredible to watch the difference in his skating and this for older people older players it makes a big difference so well we've heard from mark giordano he doesn't like it he doesn't want it he loves to play don't you i I don't i don't believe that it's it's i think it's physical for him that he likes to go 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 no no it's his attitude Mm -hmm. and it's not him really being realistic with what his body's capable of doing compared to what it was able to do seven or eight years ago. Right. Yeah. So well, let's listen to Keith on Yarncroc, who is uh, not just back tonight, but playing alongside Marner and Tavares once again. Yeah. I mean, you never quite know, right? Some, some guys takes a while to get back up to speed. Some guys just getting a little bit of a break really helps them. You know, they're, you know, we're getting right towards uh, sort of the dog days of winter here and the holidays, and guys starting to get worn down a little bit, and he's a guy that hasn't played. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, yesterday I thought he had lots of life, lots of pop and bounce in practice, and um, like I commented on I thought he made our practice better yesterday. It was just clear to me how much we've, we've missed him because he's a veteran player that has such a strong skill set, is very good at a lot of different things. So, you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see how it goes. We liked the, what we had seen from him playing with those guys before he got injured, and we'll go right back into that spot tonight. That, to me, that's just such a Malgan dig, that whole clip. Think so? Well, he's just like, yeah, he skates and shoots, and he's it like works. an NHL player. <laughs> it's like, you know, you know the, that's probably his greatest realization once Yarncroft got hurt is maybe, like, you didn't think he was that important to the team, and then he's tried to replace him with Robertson minutes for an extended period of time, and that didn't go very well. And then you try to replace it with Malgin's minutes, and we all know how that went. So then to have Yarncroft, who we none of us were, I don't think, massive fans of the guy, but we can all agree that he's a capable NHL player. Uh, could... He works, and he's big enough and shoots okay, it hold really on, well. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before everybody says, you know, he's great and he's... I, I, said, he's all... cap- I literally said he's capable NHL. <laughs> no, no. But the sense is, like, we're getting an NHLer, and this guy's the real deal. And do you envision Yarncroc on the left side of Tavares and Marner to start... Game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs because I don't have him as a legitimate top six guy. No, I think he's a stopgap until they find that guy that plays on that left side. To mm-hmm. me, and I think, so, but I think he's a capable guy that can do it. That's what I'm getting at here. I don't think he's the answer in the top six, but he's a hell of a lot better than Malgin, and he's a hell of a lot better than what Robertson was giving them. So to me, it's like it's a big it's a big help for them to get him back. Yeah, I, I agree in that. He's not the answer. Like, there's still, that's a spot that they got to find a solution for. But compared to what they've been trying to fill it with, Robertson, Mulgan, Kerfoot. They put Angval up there for a little bit? Yeah, like, none of those guys were the answer, even close to the answer. So I think you're getting better with Yarncroc, but you're still not. You want to be. Yes. Not in there. Like, you didn't sign him. To play there. To $2 million per season for four years to think that he is your second-line left winger. No, but I think you do sign him knowing he's versatile enough if you need someone to fill a gap for a while. Correct. So if they... Correct. 
So when they trade for Ryan O'Reilly, will they play him on the left wing? <laughs> With those guys? What do you do? May play. Matthews, Tavares, Campo, Riley play, down the gut. May play Tavares on the left side. <laughs> oh. And put Brian. Put Martin at center. Or you mentioned <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly. I know, I know. It's just making funny there for that one. But no, you don't think. I just, I don't know. They need an impact in the top six. It's pretty clear that that's the glaring need for this team at the moment. You think they'll make a trade before February? You think they're going to wait till the deadline? I'd I'd like to see them not wait. Move sooner? To the deadline. The sooner, the better. Well, they made one trade. Can Yarn Kroc hold the fort long enough where he can contribute offense? To Tavares and Marner. He had a goal and two assists in four games in that spot. I don't know. That's not an answer. That's just. This guy also went 30 plus games without getting a goal in Calgary. Did he? Yeah, he never scored there, eh? Maybe one in playoffs? No, I think he. Yeah, maybe he got one in the playoffs, but not many. But I agree. We we know he's a lot more capable than Mulligan. Yeah. Speaking of Mulligan, why don't we listen to Keith tell us about the trade that they did, did make, swapping in Dryden Hunt for Dennis Mulligan. Brought Mulligan in and feel like we gave him a really good opportunity and and, um, and uh, you know, didn't didn't work probably the way that he thought it would and got off to a pretty good start, but you know, what hasn't been a hasn't been a fit there, but you look at Colorado's you know, situation with a ton of injuries they have. I think they look at his skill set and feel like it's a fit for them. And then we look at Hunt and some of the things that he can do and think it's a good fit here. And at the same time, you know, try another guy and see if he can he can uh, find his game here on the other side of it offensively because he has he has produced and scored at, at different levels. It hasn't happened for him at the NHL level, but um, aside from the production part of it, he's a very competitive guy. Works hard by all accounts as a uh, terrific teammate, very coachable guy. Um, so, you know, you, you bring him in and give him a chance. Saying that he was given an opportunity might be the understatement <laughs> of the year. I think they felt the need to drive that point home, too, so people can't say, well, you didn't give him a chance, the little Who guy. would say that? <laughs> I don't know. Anybody on this show? No. No. But, you know, the... No. I don't know, the wishy-washy crowd who thinks every small skill guy so would it is be the Mulligan solution to... Be, would Mulgan be pissed right now? I think if you're Dennis Mulgan, you're on the plane to Colorado, pretty content that you got an opportunity here. But You'd have no one to blame he but should, yourself. He should be sending Kyle a Christmas card every year till the day he dies for the opportunity that he brought him back when I believe 31 other teams wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. For sure. And but not, that preseason goal, mwah. and and played him, and maybe put Keith on the Christmas card list too. Who put him in the top six with two of the hottest players in the league for how many games? Three or four games in a row that he got to play there. I, I think when he's retired, he's looking at it as yes, yeah. Thank you very much, guys. And he's got a chance now to again salvage something with Colorado. Yeah. Do you know what number he's going to wear? No. Like 81 or something? No. Like, do you really want to draw that type of attention right off the bat? 
Did you know, you just well, was, what number was he wearing here? 64? This, no, no, that's camp. It was 62. 62. 62? Yeah. There is a lot of people who who are like, ah, the number thing, you know, who cares, whatever, it's just a number. But certainly in hockey circles, if you talk to people, you're like, easy, buddy. Well, Mete, <laughs> we're in 98 being in and out of the lineup. Go throw demon. on your number four. You're a defenseman, Victor. Uh, I think <laughs> we're going to be uh, just looking into the future here, uh, you know, maybe around the end of January. For a, uh, a tweet from Elliot Friedman, uh, Dennis Malgan is on waivers for the purpose of unconditional release, and he is headed back to SC Burn to play yeah. hockey. Like I don't, I, I really don't think he's got a whole lot longer here in the in the league. You never know. <sighs> you just never know. A couple <sighs> of bounces off his ass. But you never I mean, know. We just talked about it. How much better could it get? Well, and that's, I, I keep thinking, like, is there a chance he goes to Colorado and they play him in the top six and he starts, he scores a bunch of goals? You know what I think of? I think of Alexander Barabanov. Barabanov was here and you could see he had some skills and some ability and it was like, hey, this guy's all right, but not for us. And he's going to San Jose and he's being great. Way to go for Barabanov. He was never the solution here. That's Mulgan. His ceiling is Barabanov. Go oh beat Barabanov for someone else. <laughs> oh, my God. Barabanov with the long hair Honest. now playing for San Jose. Yeah. I barely remember that guy. Well, yeah, and they grabbed him for nothing, and he was an exciting little guy doing his thing. But, no, it was never – that's just not what they need. The same with Mulligan. He's, he's not the answer for them. All right. Uh, how about Keith on Tampa coming in really smoking hot right now? Today is going to be very similar. Another team like we talked about that's – Coming in confident, um, feeling really good about about their game, and, and we are maybe a team that was going really well and is starting to come back, come down off that a little bit. And then our our job is to to get back there and maintain it. Um, you know, certainly is through through the break here, and we can rest a little bit there. But we've we've got to get these games taken care of this week. There you go. Yeah, there you go. That's the one that tells you that if they let their foot off the gas pedal tonight. Uh, they're in for a long Christmas break yeah. with Sheldon stewing over it. Well, they got they got, still got one game after this, uh, the Next Generation game. I think is it Thursday afternoon or Wednesday afternoon? What makes yeah. it a Next Generation game? They do it every year. It's like the it's the game right before kids Christmas, only, right? and it's like you're in, you're encouraged right. to if you're a season ticket holder, you're encouraged to bring your kids, bring your kids, or yeah. give give up the tickets for kids or whatever. Nickelodeon involved at no, all? No, they just they, yeah. they they're gonna wear the Bieber jerseys. They're gonna wear the Bieber jerseys this year. Three dollar like, tickets? Are they? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, three times that by a hundred. You got the right. <laughs> you got the right one. Um, but. They're, they're, this game uh, featured some wild games. Uh, Marner's the one year Marner scored the fastest goal in the history of the franchise. I think it was like Carolina. No, the first one, the one he scored the fastest goal in the history of the franchise was against Minnesota. Minnesota, and then the game against Carolina, where they were down six three and they won eight six, and um, Jim Ralph had one of the best calls of all time. They they called a timeout when it was six six. And Marner takes a steal off of the off of the face off. They go down, he scores, and Bonesy does his whole call. And Ralphie's like, and that was the worst timeout in the history of sports. <laughs> like, immediately. So the, the next generation game's always wild. Something crazy happens every year. All so right. there you go. Yep. That's um you know, the Bieber jersey getting worn for three more times this year. Mm. I'm sure Touch your subject. it rubs you the wrong way with Touch their subject. reverse retros not getting worn. So we, that, we, we were in some chat thread on Twitter. I don't know whatever came of that, but uh, that Adidas basically called it quits on the jerseys. I, refu- I haven't seen that to be true, and I refuse that to be true. Why would they want 
Why would they want less promotion for their gorgeous jersey? I don't know the okay, answer. I'm to not that. following. Oh, sorry. Oh. Adidas. Adidas the- said you get two games with the reverse retro, and that's it to the Leafs. Apparently, that's not confirmed. No, we don't know. That's confirmed. That was from a Twitter bot. That we a Twitter bot. <laughs> yeah, and Chris Creamer was skeptical of it. Who yes. did get involved in the yeah. thread? Yeah. Anyway, we'll figure. I it know out. this is Kipper's favorite subject. So, big start for Murray tonight, boys. Or Maddie. Uh, yes, and this is the one that I think needs to kind of keep the momentum overall going. Mm-hmm. You can't keep up a torrid pace like they both had for about six or eight weeks. To pull back again would be a, a kind of a natural feel over an 82-game schedule, but this one you don't want to get away from you if you're Matt Murray. Yeah, for the goaltenders, both of them, it's time to go out, yeah, stop the bleeding a little bit. I just, you know, I think of that second half from Campbell last year. Was there a game or a stretch of games where it was like, ah, he's getting it back? Like, it just felt like it just was bad. Once it turned, it just never turned around for him. You'd like to see Matt Murray be like, all right, bad start or two, like any other goalie, back to how it was playing before. Yeah, you're looking for a, a, it's a, it would be as, I'd go as far as to say a bounce back start tonight because I think it's been two knock. So he played against, they lost 2 1 to the Rangers, and I guess it wasn't really a very high event game. I wouldn't say he was bad in that one. But then his last start before that was the one against Calgary, right? Mm -hmm. Where he wasn't very good. So he's got two losses in a row. Nice to see him, you know, against uh, Basileski, the haunter of dreams. So Jack Campbell last night, by the way, gave up another four goals and lost. I think his goals against average is above four still in the season. Crazy. 8.75. 8.75 save percentage. Is that like his seventh or eighth game of this season where he's given up four or more? Oh, yeah. Well, it ha- I mean, if his average yes. is above four, oh, yeah. it's got to be close to it's that. Been, yeah. Yeah. It's been rough. Mm-hmm. So, well, congrats on the Leafs for avoiding that one. Um, back in the lineup for Tampa Bay is Anthony Sorelli. Sorelli had missed... Most of the early part of the season, he's been back for seven games. They've won six of them. Why don't we listen to Cooper on getting Sorelli back? Well, he slots everybody properly now, and he slots who we can match up against. Um, it, to have a guy like Tony be able to play, you know, any, anywhere in the lineup, but be able to, you know, kind of be a thorn in the side in some of the key players on another team, that takes a little weight off the shoulders off. You know, whether it's Pointer, Paul, and Stammer and those guys. Um, but he's he's the engine that stirs the drink. He pulls the team into the fight. And he just plays a lot of those minutes that can take away from maybe some more your offensive core that you want to open up for them. And so I think uh, Sheldon's probably right. There's no coincidence we've gone on a run since Tony's come back. Yeah, what a player, boys. Yeah, he's just, he wants to win, right? He's a scrapper. He's he's one of those guys that he's a winner. Everywhere he's been, the way he plays, the way he carries himself, the hate-to-lose mentality. You know, the old everyone loves to win. Some people truly hate to lose. He seems like a hate-to-lose guy to me. They do have scrappy guys, even their stars. Braden Point's scrappy. Kucherov is scrappy. Himself, 30. Sure. Scra- dirty, yeah. dirty yeah. scrappy is one way dirty to put it in the most <laughs> complete complete dirt bag on the yes. ice is another way to put it in, in the most complimentary way possible <laughs> yeah that guy's scrappy very scrappy <laughs> that guy's a criminal yeah. uh still life in pat maroon yeah 
Mm. See, that's one of those places where I'm like, I don't think that fourth line is going to continue to be as valuable for them. Like Corey Perry, Belmar, Maroon. I'm not as sold that this line is going to continue to matter. Would would you trade Tampa's fourth line for the Leafs' fourth line right now with Aston Reese? Oh, yeah. Right now. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. (laughs) I think I just... (laughs) You just... Dumped all over them, no, and now I'm you're like, they're not, they're not what they take them over the leaves. Be. You know, everyone's getting a little worse. They're older and bigger. I don't think I'm breaking news here to you guys, but the big difference between these two teams in terms of what gives you hope if they can beat them in the playoffs is the grittiness of their bottom six. And, they and just got, they have like all their guys are a pain in the ass. Colton, Maroon, Sorelli, Nemestikov, Belmar, Perry, Kalorn. Like none of these guys are world beaters, but they are just a pain in the ass. And they're in your grill. That's but the last difference. year too, Sam. On top of that, Maroon, Belmar, and Perry were like the analytics best line in the league. Like the expected goals and shot attempts when they were on the ice were like sixty-five percent in Tampa's favor. They were tremendous for them. And so, know, if they have that over the Leafs, what makes you think that it's a, to- a coin toss uh, on a game seven? I don't. You have to like t- Toronto and other places better. I do. I, I like I like Toronto's stars a little more that I like their stars. I really do. Like, I think they have the ability to outscore their top guys. I, you know, they've shown the ability to do that so in regular you, season. They so they were good uh, in the, with, against Matthews them last year. over Kucherov. Yep. For you. Yep. And Marner over Point. That's a toss-up to me. I think both of them, I think those guys are, like, almost the exact same level of stardom to me. Those two guys are really, really good. But I'd probably yeah, take I Marner. Think you, okay. you throw in a pile, Matthews, Marner... Kucherov and Point. Nylander over Stamkos. That's where we're getting better is Nylander, Tavares. What's their 3-4? Stamkos and who? Paul, Kalorn. Mm. You know, like just a deeper list of stars for Toronto. Maybe. Who's the fourth best player in Tampa? Let me Google Braden, it. Braden Point, uh, Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos, and I guess Sorelli or Hagel would be their best, their next best guys. Like it's an interesting conversation. But I think I'd still take the least top four guys over there top four guys quote-unquote yeah i'm not so sure i like the grit factor yeah i know i mean you're basing it on results which is fair which is they've had literal results and the other guys haven't done it factor it's hard it's hard for me to say that i'm right when they've legitimately beat the least the first round they've won two cups they're really good it's hard for me they're due they are due mentality i just i would i could I think it's a good conversation. So if you were going to draft those guys, if you put those, let's just say you put those guys, how, who's going first overall out of all the stars? Matthews. Who's going second overall? Well, then you got to do a tough call on your hands, don't you? Depends what you like. Yeah. Well, Braden Point? I tell you what, Matthews was an easier decision last year than this year. Yeah, no doubt. Matthews is, was he 16 goals and Willie's yeah. at 18? I think this time last year, Matthews had 24 goals. It's just not the goals. It's just the the overall look of a guy that's overpowering guys mm-hmm. and dominating. That's the only thing that's kind of missing a little bit of the consistent look. And you know, some really good shifts in, in Washington. You know, I think part of Toronto's slow start was that Matthews really did not look like himself. For quite a while, like whatever you want to call it, the first eight, 10 games. And then they switched the lines up. And, you know, when by the time he started to really look good, you know, probably not getting quite as many of the type of passes as you do when you play with Marner. So probably compounding the statistical issue for him was 
the late start plus the line change. I, the more I think about this, I think I think Kucherov is the clear number two pick, and if you're drafting, really. Yeah, I mean, he's oh, an MVP. I love him too. He's well, an MVP. I, I, yeah. Listen, listen, I've, I've said, on the, I literally said on this show, I wouldn't take him on my team, so it's a tough <laughs> one for me. To, but I mean, what he scored 140 points at one year. He's yeah, won two cups. He's really, really good. He's yeah, gritty. He's dirty, like you said. Off the charts. I think he might be the number two pick if you're drafting. He could be the one. He really could. You could talk him into being one. Yeah. You're the right. More, the more that, like I've just talked myself into complete doom mode again here. Boys. <laughs> <laughs> you talked in circles. You know, doom yeah, mode. no, it's just doom. You're, like, you're up against the things that they've accomplished in the past. That's exactly it. Compared to when's it over? And I've said this before, but the Leafs aren't just playing against the team they're playing against. They're playing against a team that is even more motivated to not be the team that loses in the first round for the first time to this core. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I'm sorry. That's that matters. It's the Leafs. Like there's a whole different kettle of fish they're playing with than other teams. A win tonight would be a nice stocking stuffer for you. Sam. What did he- Should we mention that we're not on the air? Oh yeah. After probably. today. Yeah, probably. <laughs> not like ever again. <laughs> Last show, guys. <laughs> I did. <laughs> but we are a little holiday break. We're back on December 28th. That's one week from today. All right. All right. Thanks for letting me know. No problem, buds. I would have showed up here <laughs> all yeah. by myself. Uh, me and Gunner on tomorrow uh, in this time slot. No, we won't be on YouTube, but if you want to hear us all, just if you want to cry about the Bolts winning tonight. Ah, oh, I don't say that. Come on. Yeah, John Cooper will have some smug things to say. Oh, we can play he's that smarming all over oh, you yeah, yeah, yeah. When the Leafs win tonight, you know, I just I think our right. guys are just, they're looking towards Christmas. We got to get out of here. Blah, 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 blah. We'll take a quick break. Mike Feuda. Feuds. Feuds. Did I say that right? You did, and this is my Christmas present. Oh, Mike I can't Feuda wait chat. to hear from him. We've had him muzzled since the last time he was on. Yeah, so time you to pull him out of the cage, let him go. He's going to have a ton to say. My man. Okay. After the break, and also Keith Jones- in the second hour, you are watching and listening to Real Kipper and Born Holiday Season Edition. This is Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Let's welcome in former NHL executive and Sportsnet hockey analyst Mike Fuda. Uh, Futes, how are you, pal? Thanks for joining us. I know on occasion we've asked you about uh, a trade deadline, but what about a, uh, a, a, a trade roster freeze around Christmas? Like, what, what's, going out, what's going on now? Because we know that the freeze will start tonight at midnight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, is it a hectic time for a lot of clubs right now, or is there just no chance we're going to see much action? Great pronunciation, by the way, Kipper. Like, killed it. But I nailed it. And I had a glass of wine at lunch. <laughs> That's what it took to loosen up the lips. Yeah. Uh, well, Kipper, I think there's too many teams still in it. Um, and there's too many teams that have too high expectations on the outside looking in to see anything big before the trade deadline freeze. So I think it'll be quiet. I think it will get very busy, though, as it gets closer. But... Uh, no, it's just interesting listening to you guys. I'm just driving in for Hockey Central there and and thinking about this game and and that these two teams, how with still so much left in the season, look like they're staring each other right in the sights again. And 
listening to Cooper's clips there were just blowing me away. Uh, you can possibly say, uh, I would love to have that. And you can't turn back time because they've earned it. Like three trips to the Cup in a row, two Stanley Cups. What his quotes are like if the Leafs have won one of those series. So yeah. it's just like, it's just such a different feel. And it's nice to respect your opponents. And obviously they've been three great teams over a period of time. I agree with you hundred percent that it's like the, it's like the Bruins have gotten the band back together for one more kick they can. But for him to sit there and smugly talk about a team that is yet to win around. And I love the way they're playing right now, by the way, in Toronto, but give me a break. Coop. Like, come on. Hey, Give me a break. <laughs> did you used to stick it to Anaheim and San Jose when you won your cups in L.A.? I was employed at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't with the media. Like, and it wasn't in Toronto. I mean, I, I literally, I, I, I know it's a, and he's such a classy guy, Coop and stuff like that, but I look at this Toronto team and the way they're playing that, I mean, you guys said it. It's, it's the dance is going to be told when the time is when the time is like last year. We weren't supposed to care about the regular season, and they made us care by just throwing up points in the most magical regular season in history. Now this year, you know, we're we're not supposed to care, and all of a sudden they get off to a slow start, and all of a sudden they become this team that buys right in, like they're an even keel. There's not they're not playing up to their opponents, and then playing down to their opponents. They're actually playing with injuries, a five-man unit. They look like they care defensively. You know, Mitch Marner is breaking records and looking like, you know, a guy that should be nominated for either the Selkie or be the Hart Trophy conversation. You've got two goalies that we, you know, we all questioned in the offseason other than the Leafs management uh, that have played, you know, so far very well. Um, and, and they seem committed to it. But the key is now is they've had a couple of games where they haven't been at their best. Do they go back to that? Oh, we got to start we got to start scoring and running gunners. Do they stick stick to the kind of style that Sheldon has them playing? Uh, still, you know, blow teams away with that potent power play. But you can't go back to that running gun style or Tampa will eat you alive in round one. Yeah. Hey, Futes, how much would conversations be happening right now about trades that'll happen two months from now? Like the Leafs obviously need a little help in a couple of positions, maybe a left winger, maybe a D-man. Would, would they be in touch with other teams? Like, hey, if it gets to this, would you do that? Or is it does nothing really unfold until you get closer to the deadline? Oh, no, there's tons of talks going on, Borny. And, I mean, there's a certain grace period where, you know, you don't want to get in touch with teams because some of them didn't intend on sucking as bad as they're sucking. So you don't want to be curious. But yeah, it's a tough call to make when, you know, you ask the guy how his breakfast was and, you know, how's the family. And by the way, you guys, you suck. And I want your best players. But you, you move along the lines. And I found in junior hockey, it blew me away because you could, you could really make a trade, put it together in a couple of days based on the age of the kids. And there was no salary cap and it was a good fit for both teams and whether, it was a hometown for a kid, but the NHL, the amount of the amount of road work that goes into a trade and the time that's put into one. Now there are a couple that might get pulled off the last second, but the groundwork is being put in. Uh, the calls are being made. I mean, Brian Burge talked about this kind of thing at length. I mean, Ian Lombardi used to just tell me to get this kid, go sit and get out of the room because I was like, get it done, get it done, get it done. And he's like, you don't understand, son. These things take time. You've got to put the pieces in place and both sides have to be ready to pull the trigger. And, uh, and that's what we can sit here as we do and talk about the Leafs. And, and I believe that they, uh, I don't like the way that top six looks now. I, I, we've talked at length as much as I love the way Bunting's been playing. I'm more comfortable with both him and the guy that you so gracefully spoke about earlier there that's playing on the second line, uh, backing up and, uh, and playing on the third line 
on an NHL caliber team. Um, I personally, I like if you're talking about dream fits, if you could make it happen salary cap wise, uh, an ideal player for me would be a player of the Josh Anderson ilk. And I would vastly overpay for someone like that that has got some term uh, that fits in your top six with a little bit more jam and the ability to score and skate with the big boys. And then, you know, and if that means you have to use uh, some of Muzz's salary cap space uh, to free it up, you know, you've got some hard decisions in the off season, but you're much better for a built. Your, your top six looks a lot more sturdy. You bring a physical element that can still skate and score and then go after a, a lesser uh, ticket, so to speak. Like right now, I think Luke Shen's having an unbelievable bounce back season, right shot deep, penalty kill, a little bit of jam. I don't think they need a, a Klingberg or a, uh, one of these guys, they've got enough guys. The, the reason they're successful now is because the defensemen hardly have the puck in their stick. They're just getting it to the forwards and following up the play. Less um, ridiculous, uh, unnecessary jumping into the rush and leaving yourself and the odd man's going the other way. And I just think they need that safety valve to keep it moving with a little bit of bite in the back end. But the thing that's happened every year, uh, just as the Leafs are trying to get better, is the guy that's got the rings on his hand. Uh, that Cooper was throwing rose petals at. Julian Brisebois adds to his team every year at the deadline, too. So it'll be very interesting to see who pushes the uh, envelope and kind of solidifies their roster as we get closer to the trade deadline. Just going into this week, the Leafs were 29th in the league in goals from defensemen. Luke Shen can't fix that. That doesn't, for me, Chipper doesn't bother me one bit. Uh, it does. I don't think they need that. I think I think part of their systematic problems when you saw where their breakdowns are. And I mean, I love Morgan Riley, and I think T.J. Brody's been playing some great hockey. But and I think where Mark Giordano has been so exceptional and and, and looks like a throwback at a, whatever he's making eight hundred thousand dollars is he is just uh, if there is a award given out this year for me the Norris Trophy, but with this just Selkie con- component to it, not to take away the numbers, I think Mark Giordano's name would be in the, that conversation. He's playing so safe and efficient shot blocker, and he's moving it up to the skilled players. Um, I just don't think to pay that kind of money for a defenseman that's going to maybe give you one or two more goals. Um, they seem to have a guy that can shoot the puck in Connor, T- Connor Timmons. That's a nice pickup. I'm still not sure whether I want to see him uh, he's got plenty of time to pr- improve himself, but if he can find somebody a little bit better to round out your top six, um, they might, whether they decide that as good as Lilligren and Sandine have been, that some of those guys have bumped up their trade value and the possibility to get more of a veteran player. But the thing is, out there, there's just so many teams that need the same thing. And who has the bullets to make the decision? And I'm not convinced that there's so many assets in that some of the Leafs might like their assets and some of these guys that have popped up for a cup of coffee and look decent, but you have to find a dance partner that feels the same way about that. And I don't, um, again, I, outside of the kid at Minnesota, I don't feel as great about what the Leafs have in the cabinet uh, to pull off a big, a big move and, and not take a big piece out of their current roster. Hughes, how does the relationship with like a capologist work as you try to make deals? Because right now everyone's mashed against the cap. You know, do you kind of do proposals with another GM, bring it to the guy, have him run the numbers? How, what's the involvement of a capologist in making trades right now? Critical. And it, yeah. uh, Jeff Solomon was one of the best in the industry for us. But the key is, uh, and Dean Lombardi was masterful of this, is 
Capologists know how critical are this time of year. So when you ask them a question about the cap, they want to answer it with a hockey idea. And they want to give you their two cents on what they think about the player. And that usually leads with a shut the F up and tell me if it works <laughs> under the cap. <laughs> and give me the numbers. Used to, just give me the numbers. I don't want to know whether you think he fits or slots in or who he plays with. <laughs> tell me whether it fits under the cap. Okay, if we win, your name's going on the Stanley Cup too, but shut up and tell me about the numbers. But that's, and, and I'm sure there's other groups that are uh, part of the negotiations is allowing the cap guy to have more a uh, little more, more say, but it can be a dangerous thing when he gets out and he starts to uh, starts to decide which piece fits best. Uh, it's, 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 sometimes it's a nice blend, but I know we worked successfully because Solly was the best numbers guy. He had a good feel for it, and he could come back and say, Dean, this is what's going to work. And it was never just what's going to work to tomorrow. It's gonna, this is what's going to work for us for the next four or five years. Mm-hmm. So you're not making decisions like that inside of a, you know, an hour or less. We're joined by Mike Fuda, former NHL Los Angeles King executive, now doing terrific work on Sportsnet uh, as a hockey analyst. So, Futes, how many deals in the past have you seen where you would start the 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 work as early as, say, uh, a Christmas break and take it to March and then have the rug pulled out from underneath your feet and have someone else come in and and take uh, take the guy off the market for uh, that you were eyeing. How often does that happen? And do you leave yourself vulnerable to not be having a few oars in the in or uh, lines in the water? You've always got to have backup plans. I find that a lot more rug pulling goes at the draft. I mean, players like teams now constantly teams in rebuild. They want to know the actual value of what a first round pick is. So. If, you're, if you've got so many teams that are so congested that it, it could go from being, uh, you know, the eighth pick in the draft to the 26th pick in the draft and the team goes on one of these seven-game runs, you want to have a better idea, especially when a pick's involved where it slots. Um, you want to know where the player feels. I mean, teams that have players with no movement clauses or no trade clauses have to be very gingerly about how they – I mean, it'll be really interesting to see how things unfold in Chicago, you know, with the two um, legendary players there with Kane and Taze and how they approach them with those kind of decisions and, and players, they can make it work in your direction. Like I know for a fact that Marion Gabrick had full, he had full uh, movement. And I talked about it at length when we, the reason we got such a sweet deal on, because we knew Marion was the only team that he was going to waive his no trade was to the Los Angeles uh, Kings. So it kind of put them in a tough spot, but that's so life. So then we have given up a second. The other team involved was just not even going to get a sniff because he wasn't willing to move his no trade. Uh, you see that a couple of times last year. I believe that was a little bit the case with, with Giroux where he ended up. I think he made it very, uh, got a little ticked off. It was taking too long and made it a little bit tough run Philadelphia by really limiting where he would go. So there's a lot of that that comes into place too. Uh, and it's not always a given. Like, I mean, I know for a fact that there was a real hard-nosed defenseman that's playing for Colorado right now that's a great fit on a lot of teams that turned down trades to Canadian markets before he ended up in the Colorado Avalanche. So it's a little discouraging when you have Canadian-born players that have Canadian teams on a no-trade list, but it's just another factor that makes it so critical to get your ducks in a row and not only put all your eggs in one hat, but have a backup plan as well um, readily available. And I think those are the teams that are able to pull off those moves and like a Tampa to be able to you know, everybody's looking at some big, big pieces and not that he's not a big piece to be able to have like a Nick Paul. That's like a huge deal 
for what he's brought to the table and what he's brought, not just for one year, but years to come. So there's so many different things to look into it. There's the worst feeling in the world. And I felt that last year in Carolina is having a team in first place and sitting there with a coach that wants to reward your team, having all the assets to do it, having the cap space to do it and having the players agreeing to come. And then all of a sudden decide you're going to sit on it and do nothing to make your team better. Uh, uh, and then all of a sudden you see your team get caught in a couple big injuries and you're stuck in a stationary base bike race and you've wasted the year of some of your core players time. Uh, if you've got a team that's got a chance to go for it, it's your job as your general manager without shaking the future up to, uh, to give them a chance to win. And every dressing room that sees that done responds accordingly. So just, uh, to revisit the Marion Gabrick, when you know you're the only team that he will come to, do you go back to Minnesota and say, hey, quit the crap, okay? We, had, <laughs> we know, yeah, we know, buddy. Right. You know, we, had, we, we know. Had, we had to, and it was, we had to do that because it wasn't in a tampering mode. Is We were given, we were given the opportunity to speak with Marion and uh, his agent, and he basically said that I'm, I'll accept a trade here, but I'm not accepting the trade there. And we had to say, listen, this, isn't, this wasn't, we had permission from you to speak to him. And this was, you can ask him, but this is what we were told. There is no other team. So we can either walk away from this or we can, you know, I mean, it, was a high, it was a pretty high second round pick. So it wasn't like it was going scot free. I believe there was a component of it that they got a little bit extra if we won a couple rounds. So they got something for it, but there was no uh, nefarious, uh, you know, behind the scene thing. We had asked for permission to the player they had given to us and, Lo and behold, thank God we had that conversation because we now know we were bidding with nobody. Uh, that, uh, what an error on their part, allowing you guys to do that. That's that's unbelievable. When, when I look at some of these things, you know, these situations that ownerships and GMs get into, there's challenges when you've had success, you have a great core, and things are kind of slipping away. You're turning, you know, things are, you know, players are getting older or whatever. And look at L.A., you know, you guys had some of your important players get a little bit older and you're trying to stay good. When you look at Pittsburgh right now or you look at Washington right now, how tough are the decisions and what kind of decisions are the challenges in trying to decide what comes next? Well, first off, Borny, they didn't get older. They got arrested. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that. <laughs> okay, so it's – and that's, that makes things a little bit tougher because it's self-inflicted wounds. So right. I, I, I agree with you when uh, – and in fairness – we had an opportunity and we should have, you know, we were still the, the worst year for it was we were kidding ourselves that we were still good enough. And uh, we ended up trading a player named Richard Cernak when Quickie got hurt for the rights to Bishop and Richard Cernak turned out to be a very charging player from Tampa Bay Lightning. So you, you got to be real careful convincing yourself that sometimes you have to take it off the gas, especially when you have two cuffs in the, in the cupboard and then you can still reload the following year. But we kind of blew our load when we didn't need to. Now, clearly teams like Pittsburgh and Washington, like I'm not in, involved in those conversations, but just by the re-upping of Malkin and, and Latang, you know that they're, they're all in for the next few years while these guys are still playing exceptionally well. And when Obi's making public statements that I'm not part of a rebuild, uh, if I'm, I'm not part of it, clearly, you know, once they get healthy, they're going to be a force to be reckoning with. So, you're going to see some times drop, teams drop back. You're going to see some organizations that owe it to the promises they made to Crosby and to uh, Lila Tangs and to the Ovechkins that we're going to try and add at the deadline and get you through the line, even though you might not look like it's a year push. When it comes to the Washington Capitals and, and Pittsburgh, can you imagine the pressure on the management side to hear two legends 
like Ovechkin and Crosby maybe reiterate to ownership that I'm not ready to let this thing go and, and what that would mean to Brian Burke and Ron Hextall? That's part of probably part of the process. I think any one of those teams, particularly Pittsburgh, that would print part of the major uh, when Jimmy Rutherford and moved on and Hex came in. I'm sure that was a huge part of the, the job interview process that you better have a plan because we do have some aging superstars and we're, we're not just going to get up to the, the, you know, we're just not going to blindly walk up to the plate when it presents itself and, and make a rush decision. You better be ready to have a plan in place and stick to your guns on it. You just can't move back and forth. That. Now, both those teams, I think an area that they'd like to look at it is when you, you watch Washington and, and you've got to make sure that these guys, uh, their goaltending is up to, I mean, obviously Washington's had some huge injuries and they didn't have incredible goaltending through the injury state the way teams like Boston and, uh, you know, Winnipeg have been able to hold on because their goalies have been outstanding. They've just been average, but now that they've got everybody back, they seem to be firing on cylinders and it's, those aren't teams you want to make in the first round, play against in the first round because of their experience. But you also have to get there to be able to play somebody in the first round. So it'll be very, very interesting to see whether the same general managers are continuing on in the rebuild that doesn't go well this year. God, Futes, I hope you saved something for Sportsnet Central because you just gave us the goods, man. I, 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 think, I, it's, I, I, I think it's downhill. I one thing, Kipper, really quickly. Well, it's going to be downhill. There's no question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm certainly going to need expressive, but I'm looking at my lineup. I just got named coach for uh, the Hockey Day in Canada team. And the one thing they don't know about me, Kipper, was there's a reason I was out of coaching. I didn't do it on my own. I was fired because I I sucked at it. And I got into management, and it was all about recruiting teams. So I've got to build a team, and I'm looking right at Wendell Clark and Darcy Tucker as my first two picks. And I'm thinking of throwing Ken Reed in at center and just let his cup float with because <laughs> you know how much he likes the tough going. Now, I was surprised I didn't see your name on the list, Kipper, but I'm going to build an old-fashioned Toronto Maple Leaf team. Buddy, I'm fully retired, man. I'm, <laughs> you, th- you think I, I watch West Coast games? I can barely stay up for the third period in the East. <laughs> well, at least we can put one thing to bed after you heard your discussion there. Is the people that, thought, that actually thought Malgan after he scored that goal in exhibition at Malgan for Marchment was a good trade. They can, uh, officially, <laughs> they can officially kick some rocks. They can officially yeah. pass the joint to the next guy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Futes. Futes. You're taking it to another level here on the Real Kipper and Bourne Show, and uh, we absolutely love it. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it, guys. Enjoy your days off. Thanks, buddy. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Wow. So you can tell he's... Doesn't really want a job the rest of, in the NHL. He's going to be a, an analyst now from here on in. Good. Because, you know. I mean, Man brings it. Well, you know, he. <laughs> he's awesome. Oh, he's, yeah. He's mad about that Carolina stuff. Yeah, eh? yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Well, listen, it's. They did you, nothing at the deadline you, last you, year. You put work in. You've got a professional opinion. You've got credibility. And it's not appreciated. Yeah. That. Now, what am I doing here then? 100%. Yeah, what's, what am I doing? Hey, what do you think of Anderson? And, or Joey Anderson? Josh Anderson, he brought up. Josh Anderson. Oh. I was, <laughs> I was like, Joey, what? Listen, the man can skate. The man could score. The man can back teams off. Like, 
Yeah, you get, yeah. You, get, you get his engaged games, and boy, are they effective. Yeah, once in a while I see him play, I'm like, is this guy the best power forward he's, in the league? He's one of those guys that's an $8 million guy that if he could be on all the time would be $8 million, but he's on a quarter of the time, so he's $3 million. Yeah. No, he's more I know that. the yeah. math on that doesn't matter. He's five and a half now. Okay, he, when he's gone, he's gone, right? Yeah. Do you, there's a sense, though, that you've, between now and, and March, there's, there's a f- few holes that they like to kind of – I don't know if you can plug all, all of them or partial, mm-hmm. but Kyle's got some work still on this roster. Definitely. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of you talking about how your team was in first when you guys made a bunch of trades because you weren't good enough. Being good isn't good enough. I thought we had major surgery in 1994 at the trade deadline. Saw Sawed off a limb, and that sewed the, a new one back we were on. were the number one team. Yeah. So, yeah, no, you're not just because you're doing well doesn't mean you're not looking to get better. That's uh, How scared were you with that deadline, Kipper? I just hid in the bathroom. <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> like Stewie. They're like, we're going to trade someone else. Who was it? I don't Stu- see where did, them. Where did Stewie, I don't know. Where did Stewie hide in the, so the sauna? Room, yeah. Yeah. In the steam room? Yeah, yeah no. Look, I... in the steam room. I guess Stewie must have gone home. We'll send him down tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it ever worked. Yeah, that was... Uh, it's it's harder now for sure. That was a free for all for general managers to trade and move guys in, move out. Yeah. No money involved, no cap. I know we're going to break. I just want to ask: Did you see what the Phoenix Suns sold for today? I did not. Do you want to guess? Yeah, uh, one point three billion. Four billion dollars. Basketball team. Yes. Four billion dollars. Oh. Is that a big? That's. Th- is that considered a, a one of the biggest markets? He, Sammy was talking I mean, it up like it is. Yeah. But listen, I lived in Phoenix. It's no, a there's there's fair a fair weather town. There's a few but. teams that like kind of matter. It's in the Western Conference. They got a good team. I you know how far is it from L.A.? It's a big market, right? Yeah. Like that's you know big TV. So who market. bought them? A uh, guy, the Matt a mortgage Ishbia. guy, he billionaire to, mortgage lender. He used to play in a used to play in the NCAA. He won the national championship so, with uh, Tom Izzo's. Is there any chance that you can then. you can marry uh, the Suns to and, the Sens? Sorry, the Suns to the Sens? No, no, the Suns to the Coyotes for a sharing kind of partnership or no. Uh, they don't want that. They don't want that. No, because it helps. The ass helps with buildings, and it helps. Yeah, like the Raptors and the Leafs are together with Bell and Rogers. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I, I think it's unlikely. Just yeah. Gary just, he just wants them to stay there. Whatever. Whatever it takes at all costs. Whatever it takes, baby. Keep oh, they're not going to... anywhere. Why not? Okay, we don't need they're, to get into this. Move, not, move, uh, move uh, them to move them to Vaughn, uh, and they're selling out twenty k every night. Okay. One more break, and then we got Keith Jones, former NHLer, hockey analyst for TNT. What do you What do you got in the background on me, Derek? Leaving. I'm not leaving. <laughs> oh, that's uh, uh, the Wolf on Wall Street. Yeah, there you go. There, that's there you go. I'm not leaving. I'm not I, leaving. <laughs> I need to watch that again. That's awesome. I'm not leaving. <laughs> Okay, Keith Jones after the break. Thanks for sticking around on Real Kipper and Born. This is Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I need a few minutes just to kind of regroup off of that hit from 
Mike Feuda. Was that because he was passing the joint? Is that what it was? Drugs involved. We had (laughs) uh, arrests involved. An F-bomb. Well, not a real F-bomb, but a a fake F-bomb. It was uh, compelling radio. It's good stuff from Feuds, as always. For sure. What is that? Counting money? He's money. Derek has so many great drops. I'm like, what? What was I'm starting that? To, like, really be slow to his his drop ins. Yeah, he's got a wide range. It's always fun for us, just like everyone else. Pressure on Keith Jones right now. Is there real pressure? We had Mike Feud on, and uh, he's gone to another level, completely Jonesy. Hey, what's happening, Nick? I just, I just caught the end of that. How are you guys doing? You haven't missed a thing, my friend. When it comes to this show, trust me. <laughs> uh, beautiful. How's the schedule? It's busy, buddy. It's busy. I got a, I got a bunch coming right now. I got Columbus tonight at home against uh, the Flyers, and then I've got uh, TNT tomorrow night, Edmonton and Dallas, and then I got a quick trip to Toronto for that two o'clock game on uh, Thursday afternoon. Uh, I'm just hoping I make it, to be honest with you. And then I got a game Friday night with the Flyers back in Carolina, and then I get a couple days off for Christmas. So, Jonesy, here in Canada, we kind of roll our heads every once in a while when we hear stuff out of Vancouver. Is it the same south of the border when it comes to the Philadelphia Flyers? Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, conversation about the team, probably more than there was even last year. And last year they were a lot worse. I mean, they were they were blowing out on numerous occasions. This year they're in every game. Uh, they're tied in the third period or down by one every time they step on the ice. And then the majority of the games they end up losing, but they're a lot more interesting. And they've got a head coach that keeps them interesting. And, you know, it's, his plan is to get them better through this year and build for next and kind of do it on the fly. And, you know, so far the wins aren't there, but the competitive side of the team is far far greater than it was in the past. So to inspire some of that, Jonesy, they he recently scratched Kevin Hayes, I believe, leading the team in scoring. Where do you fall on the side of scratching a prominent player like that on a team that's, you know, kind of struggling as is? I'm surprised that he scratched him only because the game before he benched him in the third period against the Devils and the Flyers won the game. So I was curious where he would go from there. You know, he sat on the bench, they won. So what do you do? What, what message do you send to the rest of the players on your team? And some of those players have been scratched before, including Tony D'Angelo. Some have been benched for a period before, like Travis Konechny. And I wondered if he would take the next step with it, and uh, he took the next step with it. And then it became more news than it probably would have had he put Hayes back in the lineup. But that's John Tortorella. You know, his his uh, messaging is with a purpose, and he's going to do whatever it takes to try to get everybody on the same page. And at some point, he's going to ruffle feathers, but he's not worried about it. He's, he's going to coach the team the way he wants to coach it. Josie, Chuck Fletcher is the general manager there. You assume when they when the Flyers or, or Chuck signed Tortorella, it was to add a face to the Flyers in 
transition years. And maybe he could rekindle the interest. I know sellouts were an issue. No question that uh, he became, in many ways, the face the moment they signed him. But it doesn't appear like at least there's a a fan base there that are are buying in that, that Chuck gets this time as well to rebuild. Um, there's, there's a lot of people that, you know, in Flyerland that want to see a change at a general manager. Is he feeling that pressure? Does he, does he have pressure on him? Is his job on the line there? I would say without question. <clears throat> and I do think, you know, it's a hundred percent accurate that the fans are fine with Tortorella, but they have not given Chuck Fletcher any room. I mean, he, he is under the gun here without question. And he's got a guy in the wings and Danny Breer that's, you know, just sitting there <clears throat> kind of as his assistant right now, gaining all kinds of experience. And there's many Flyer fans that I think are hoping that Danny Breer becomes the general manager at some point. Uh, so I would say there's there's no doubt that there is, this is a high-pressure situation. But the problem that Chuck has is, this team's not going to win a lot of games this year based upon the talent that's in the lineup and based upon the injuries to, you know, some of the players that you would be expecting to help this team, you know, battle for a playoff spot like Couturier and like Atkinson, who now is out for the season, and like Ryan Ellis, who's played four games for the Flyers since they acquired him a year and a half ago. Keith, I've got some uh, questions about the – I guess the tri-state area and looking at teams, you know, not Philadelphia, but looking at the, the Rangers, the Islanders, and the Devils there, trying to figure out who's what. You know, I'm, a, I'm an Islanders guy, kind of born into it, but the Rangers started slow. They're coming on. Uh, they've won seven in a row. The Devils have lost five in a row. What do you make of those three teams? How do you see them seeded by the time the season comes to a close? I, I think the Rangers and the Islanders are two teams that would be very difficult opponents to go up against if the playoffs rolled around. Uh, I think the Rangers demonstrated that last year. The Islanders going back a couple of seasons ago before they kind of laid an egg last year. I think there are teams that you would have your hands full in trying to beat in a seven-game series. I don't think the Devils are there yet. I think the Devils you know, have shown flashes of being a young and exciting team. They remind me a little bit about uh, the way Anaheim started the season last year, you know, where they were in the news a lot, where they had some highlight reel goals, where they were winning some games, and then the wheels kind of fell off. I don't think the Devils are going to fall off as dramatically as Anaheim did. They're obviously not in the mode where they're going to be selling players like the Ducks did last year. I think they're going to, you know, hang in the battle, but they would be the team that worried me the least if I was – trying to prepare for a playoff series against them. Jonesy, can Washington now off the momentum of an Ovechkin push here uh, with history, Nick Backstrom looking like he's got more of a reason to believe that he can resume his career uh, than months before? Tom Wilson coming back, is are they in the hunt here? Yeah, they they are in the hunt. And anytime you add Wilson to the lineup, a hunt's a good word because, you know, he's going to be out there making sure things are happening out there. Uh, the, the Caps have hung in, and they've had a lot of injuries as well, but they've got a really good head coach. 
Laviolette. They've got, you know, some defensemen that appear to really be coming into their own, like Trevor Van Riemsdyk, who Lavi can't stop raving about how well the, that he has played for them. Uh, Gustafson scored some big goals, including the other night. I think Orloff had an overtime winner. Like, Jensen I, I think they, Yeah, I think they have, like, you know, some veteran defensemen that if they get some of these forwards healthy and start getting players slotted in the right position, I think they're going to be a problem. And like Pittsburgh, these, those teams seem to at least hang in there enough to make the playoffs. Neither has made much noise recently in the playoffs, but would I be surprised if Washington was a playoff team? No, not at all. You know, the Alex Ovechkin chase is, uh, you know, has been fascinating to watch. Are you, are, you know, seeing his progression over his career, what are your thoughts on how his game has changed from when he was a young man to now? You know, he does score more goals in tight than he used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was always, you know, Crosby always owned that area. Tavares, another guy that's always been great in and around the crease area. Ovi has not been, but he's better at it now. He's also more reliable and coaches are going to put him out there when the uh, goaltender's pulled to, you know, maintain a lead and hopefully score an empty netter, which he's been racking up, you know, a lot of this year. Uh, he, he would normally not be out in those situations back in the day before he matured into the captain that he is today. Uh, but he still has the shot and he still has the strength. I don't think he runs around as frequently as he did before, and that's a, that's a good thing. But he's still a threat to throw that hit at any time. So that, it's very difficult for teams to you know, try to match up against him because he has all the dimensions of a power forward. And, uh, you know, he scored 800 goals the hard way. He's not, uh, you know, he's not a player that's shy to get into high-traffic areas. I have a great appreciation for everything he's done. And for a, a former cap like Nick as well, uh, you know, we played at the cap center when – you know, half the crowd would be Penguins fans when you played the Penguins in the playoffs or Flyer fans. And uh, now they rock the red because of Ovechkin. He he sold the game in Washington in a market that wasn't necessarily selling out every night. Uh, he, he put him on the map and he's kept him on the map. I watched parts of the Capitals and Red Wings last night. They, uh, they found a way to pull it out, 4-3. Ovi did not score. Um, but there was a part of me that watched the game long enough wondering, can this get exhausting for the guy in the next year and, and a half, teammates. two years? Like, at times, it's it's great to be a part of that, but it, it, it may be physical, emotionally, you know, draining here in the next little while. Is there any chance of that happening, or, or Ovi's just uh, above and beyond that, just his mentality? I think his mentality is above and beyond it. I mean, you think about a guy who's had so many opportunities for milestone goals, and he's always come through. You know, whether it's 50 in a season, 60, whether it's his 500th, 600th, 700th. I mean, he's, he's, he goes through them all. So he's been through it. I don't think he's going to slow down. and He's got a target, and I think that's what's going to motivate him and I think the league today is built in, in such a way, unlike when Gretzky played, where we made up rules to try to slow him down. We put rules in play now that are there for offensive players to 
you know, pick up more opportunities to score, whether it's a face-off on the power play starting in the offensive zone for the first face-off, uh, whether it's, you know, you know, being out there in situations for empty net goals. Uh, penalties are called more frequently for the hooking and the holding. I, I just think there's a lot more ways to produce offensively, and I think uh, that Ovechkin's going to benefit from that. And I, I think he's going to pass Gretz. One more for us, uh, Jonesy, and tonight the Leafs and uh, Tampa Bay. I know, I know we're not even at the halfway mark of the regular season, but everybody's got this one penciled in in the first round. So what do you take out of a, a game like tonight? Well, they were so close last year, right? And it looked like Toronto was going to get past them. Tampa's not as good as they were last season. The Leafs are the same. So the edge should go to Toronto. You know, they, this is an important, more important game for the Leafs than it is for Tampa anytime those two teams meet. And, you know, for Toronto, they want to keep, you know, gaining confidence by beating the teams that they're going to have to beat when the playoffs roll around. So if I was a Leaf fan, I would have, you know, a high emphasis on winning the game. And for the Lightning, it's just another game. The Leafs aren't there yet in their eyes. So for Toronto, you want to step up and measure yourself against a team that has been the thorn in the side of pretty much every team in the NHL with the exception of Colorado last year. Not to put salt in uh, an open Sammy wound here, but you did call for the Leafs on our show in that first round to come back and win game seven. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I remember it. I believe it would, actually. I was surprised. I was very surprised that they did not. So I might have to revisit that this year if they play again. All right, Sammy, you hear that? Yeah, great. Yeah, great. (laughs) (laughs) Jonesy, always a pleasure, man. Happy holidays. The best to you and your family, okay? Have a safe one. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Have a happy holidays. You too. All right. That's Keith Jones. Does a terrific job south of the border. Do you guys uh, do Christmas parties every year in the NHL? American League? Oh, yeah. There's always something. Uh, A little smaller. A little smaller budget. Yeah. Than nowadays, or <laughs> compared to the NHL one, yeah, oh yeah, the American League version, yeah, yes. <clears throat> I will say when I was at the Marlies, we had um, Jonathan Bernier was on the team, yeah, and his wife's, I assume, a model of some variety, just a guess. Um, but the two of them came to our American League party while he was down. And I don't know, he must have been wearing a $16,000 suit or something. And she, you know, and her, her, her outfit was not cheaper than that. And, and seeing them at an American League party, he was like, you guys should just go back to the NHL. You shouldn't be here. This is not, you should not be here. I'm in my Indochino suit. No disrespect to What Indochino, was he making back then? Four and a half million or oh, something. Only four and a half. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He was doing all right. So, yeah. Handing out Christmas presents to everybody. That year, we did have quite a few people. We had Milan Mahalik, Brooks Like. We had, like, a bunch of guys with money come down, sitting in a stall beside some ECHL kid making 60K. So the the big thing for many of the teams is if you got called up from the minors, that you just needed to stick around long enough to get an NHL present. Oh, yeah. From the team. Yeah. And... For the Leafs, a lot of years, it was two airline tickets anywhere. I was there. That's a great gift. Huge deal. Yeah, of course. Anywhere? 
Yeah, pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Oh, I'd be flying the furthest possible. <laughs> fly me around the globe and back. Yeah. Maybe you don't fly want me to, go to Winnipeg, to... but go east. Alaska. <laughs> no, I'd be going to like Australia or New Zealand or. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. Fiji. Maybe it was a. Uh, Fiji. I can't remember if there was a North American cutoff. I'm not sure. Yeah. No, that's good. That's true. The The pro hockey presents were always pretty yes. decent. You just. You feel like and you got send luggage one year. Then send me down after I get well, the Well, but also if you get there for Christmas, you usually get a break, so you get to stay up and get an extra few days on the paycheck, I imagine. That's a nice perk. Very nice perk. Yeah. Very nice perk. All right, uh, where do you want to go? We did discuss Jack Campbell a little bit. Is there just a chance that this could be an off year for him and they're just going to have to suck it up? Yeah. I mean, I do think there is a chance, and – you know, you hope that with having the length of the contract allows him to get comfortable, find the best version of himself. You can't beat yourself up for five years, I don't think. I say to many people who have probably done that to themselves. But, like, the guy surely is going to get comfortable. He's better goalie than this. Pathetic the way I've been planned. <laughs> are, are, do we, it. are we sure about that? No, we're not. I don't know. I think the, the Leafs helped him out with their underrated defense. You know, I looked Who's, at the Leafs' defensive numbers last year. Sorry to cut you no, off, you're good. but I looked into them because I, I was like, boy, the Leafs are really good defensively this year. They were really good last year, too. They've been a good defensive team for some time now. Um, do you think that maybe a phantom neck injury for uh, old Jack, maybe set him down to get a condi- conditioning stint, give him a couple weeks off here, you know, go down and play a couple games in the AHL and then come back up? No, because he knows. Uh, it's his, it's his psyche that needs work, and you can't, and he knows. That's what I think. So was it you that said the Pacific Division sucks earlier? Yeah, I said that literally yesterday. Yes. Okay. Um, it sucks. There are seven goalies in the Pacific Division with a cap hit of at least $5 bucks. Wow. All of them sub-900 save percentage. Really? Okay. Okay. Unbelievable coincidence. Qu- quick. Yes, one. Quick. Uh, obviously, Campbell. Two. Um, Markstrom. Markstrom. Three. Uh, Demko. Four. Peterson, Mark. the other LA goalie. P- Five. Kyle Peterson, good one. Josh Gibson. John Gibson. Yeah. John Gibson, who's Josh Six. Gibson. Six. Um, Seattle is Grubauer. There it is. Seven. Yeah. Wow. God, who's good? Does mind the least good goalie? Uh, Logan I think the best one's Logan Thompson. Yeah. yeah, Logan Thompson. Stu Skinner's doing well. There may never be Dan another $10 million well. goalie ever again. Oh, man, just crippling for the goalie union. They need their big money guys to play, to, to be good, right? Say, justify the big dollars, yes. boys. That hurts. I think I saw something last night in the NHL that I've never seen before, Kipper. Is it Labouche can get exploded? Well, maybe that. That, that one does, defies physics. I don't really know what even happened. Do you see the Kale? Oh. <laughs> yeah, Kale. Deferred the penalty. Said it wasn't a penalty. So if you yeah. didn't see this last night, Kale McCarr takes the puck behind his own net. Matt Bartizal's on his back shoulder. Or sorry, on his back skate. Puts his stick on McCarr's shoulder. Not a hook, just like puts it there. He had a piece of him. He had a piece. McCarr loses an edge with his feet. Goes yeah. down. Ref's arm goes up. McCarr literally waves it off, skates over to the referee and goes, no, 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 I fell on my own. Ref goes on the mic and says, there was no penalty on the play. McCarr must have been like he didn't do it. No power play for the Avs. Yeah. Yeah. And, See, easily explainable. 
What do you mean? Well, today, you can't get away with that if you're a player. There's too many cameras. And if, in fact, he wouldn't have said anything and he would have gotten a penalty, he would have got ripped. Absolutely ripped. For being a diver? Yes. Or, you know, uh, his, his integrity would have been questioned. So, actually... He did it because he, he's smart enough to say that I'll, I'll never get away with it. I'd like to get away with it, but I am smart enough to say that there's, there's four or five angles right now that they'll know for sure mm-hmm. that. And it doesn't even matter whether or not he fell on purpose or not. Right. That the perception would have been if there would have been a penalty that Kale went down like a bag of feathers and Bobby Orr would never do that. Um, you're out of my good books. <laughs> he, you know, he actually felt uh, pretty rough about it. He says, the ref who called it wasn't the guy at center ice. He was uh, kind of behind the net on the far side. I, I don't think he had a good angle on it. He just saw me fall. I would like to think most times I fall, it's usually because someone trips me. That one, I just lost an edge. I, pel- I felt pretty guilty for the boys so- there. So he said he wished he hadn't done it. He says, you know, if I, I probably won't do that again. Uh, I don't know if I would have done the same, says Matt Barzal. But that's what happens, though. Yeah. And if you're in a playoff series and you fake like you got clipped and you didn't, Mm -hmm. you're done. Like Tampa? (laughs) Like Tampa. Which one in particular, super fan? The camp one. He faked it, hit him in the shoulder, didn't get him. Head snap back, just like that. Right too. I forgot about that. You don't forget. You have like a, like a weird memory about hockey games. Oh yeah, I have. I mean, the crippling moments in my sports <laughs> fandom. Yeah, I remember them yeah. all pretty well. But I, I, I disagree. Like, it's not like it was a dive. He slipped, and the ref thought it was a trip. And yes. you put your team at a disadvantage by saying it's not a penalty. You go with your head down. You go to the bench, and you take the two minute power play. You try to score a goal. To me, it's absolutely yeah, nuts. I don't know. I think his first feeling was that that like. I'll get I'll get exposed. I'll get called. No way. I'll get called out. I'd say all this publicity it's garnered, Kale, is for the better. Oh no, a hundred percent. You know, because now we're talking about next time oh. Kale goes down, the refs will be like, "Well, we know he's legit." Yes. You know, almighty. like maybe it buys him a call down the road. He, he will never get an embellishment call the rest of his <laughs> career based on that. You get Lady Bing votes based on that. But we now know that if, in fact, someone fakes a clip or something mm-hmm. we've seen it in the past already have we not oh we've seen bunting have to go through some adjustment i'm talking something way more are you uh, talking egregious okay that, that just not even close yeah like really obvious i don't know i i probably need to see last night's a few more times but i think it was really obvious that he fell on his own yeah he didn't get hooked down. Well, there's, there's no doubt about it. That's on the ref. I agree. Yeah, listen. And, and there's you, lots there, of times you should get a call and there, you don't. There, so there, you, do you say it just even? There, there out? is an argument that that's not on me. That's not my job. It's not to to tell you what's legit or not. You're paid to do that. I'm not paid to make your decision. <laughs> listen, although I, mean, I made I, it for you. Of all, I mean, all their good players on their team are hurt. So it's probably not going to be the guy on their Malgan who just arrived being like, "Hey, uh, best defenseman in the league." Maybe don't do that. <laughs> but I, if I was his teammate and, like, I was his buddy, if I'm McKinnon, I'd be like, hey, man. Yeah. We, maybe just let that one ride. I want a couple cookies here in the power well, play. And what's funny is we're not even discussing the fact that should you be able to do that? 
like it's never should you be able to go over to a ref and say I don't like your call on that one I you know it wasn't actually a penalty it's, and then have the ref change his mind that's what I mean, but that's it has never happened the other way no right where a guy goes to a ref and you're like I didn't hack him. That wasn't a penalty. And the guy's like, didn't Mark Giordano do this once? <laughs> Mark Giordano once talked a ref out of a penalty, I feel like. But, but it, I mean, maybe oh. it's one for a million. Ovi. Yeah. Somebody sent me Ovi. Waves off a penalty after falling easily to the ice. And if Can you're you the ref, it? if you're the ref, isn't that showing you up a little bit? Like just let it, know. just let it go. I, I think at this point, Refereeing so sensitive right now yeah. that they just, I don't, I don't know, they'll take all the help they can get. <laughs> I guess. Get it right. All right. Um, looking around the NHL, the Bruins beat the Panthers, hung seven goals on the Panthers. The Panthers, man, Panthers are have been caught and passed by the Buffalo Sabres. You see some of the goals on Spencer Knight? They're going through him. Yeah. Stinky ones. Real stinky. Right? Bergeron shot two in the armhole. He scored, he had four points last night, by the way. It's not like they're going to fire Paul Maurice. I'm sure they gave him a lot of money in a lot of years, so. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's going to be, I know a lot of people are talking about this, but there's probably going to be only three teams from the Atlantic in um, in the playoff picture. That would give the Islanders hope. Because I guess, I guess, unless you're a Buffalo truther, which we have been in years past or days past in this show, and Tage Thompson now second plus in the eighteen goals. goal differential for the Sabers. Florida's zero even. Mm. So Boston has to cool down. They gotta, they gotta lose three or four in a row somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm with Kipper. This is they're good, but they're not four losses in thirty games. Good. I don't, guys. I really don't know. Like, it's just, it's really, really upsetting. Yeah. It's really upsetting that in a year that we've talked about them going in, it being a down year, and have it being the most up year of all time, and then the Tampa being good still. I know we talked about this in the first block, but it really, what really the, stings. What do the Boston Bruins have to pay Pasternak? Oh, so much money. It's funny, though. That, that conversation never really comes across the table. It's always, what are they going to pay Willie in two years? Well, let's... <laughs> let's have it. Pastor not going to give him a little bit of a discount? Probably. He'll probably take league men. <laughs> 750. And, and haunt you. Yeah, yeah. He'll be like, For oh, another six years. Eight years, one million per. I have a question, though. Like, so what if DraftKings goes to David Pasternak and says, hey... We'll give you $13 million a year. We have a, an agreement with Boston. Boston's going to pay you $1 million. You know, could you ever... Yeah, there's supposed to be a, you know, a mechanism to stop teams from doing that. Yeah. We, you know, I, we definitely don't see it Circumvention, happening. first yeah. of all. Of course it is. But, but I, 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 I got to think you're right. There's ways to hide it. You don't think the Leafs did something with Giordano? You know, and that's interesting. Like, you know, if anyone, the Leafs should be able to be like, yeah, we can set well, you up with a, a, a sponsorship job. arrangement. A job. Sign for league minimum. Oh, after. For Spets Spets has got a job. Yeah. Right. Come sign with us for minimum, minimum and we'll talk about what yeah. your salary is. You'll also like, make 500 as a front office guy next year. 800 people working for us. Mm-hmm. What's 801? 
you know, the thing that killed me when I was with the Marlies was learning that, like, wait, the Leafs are playing like Jacques Caron and Jacques Lemaire and, you know, all these special advisors and Cliff Fletcher was, you know, they, they had like all these guys that would just like come around once every like three months. They collected a paycheck from the org. They're listed in the official whatever. I don't think the consultations were that frequent or, yeah, they just collect your check, man. So I'm just looking at uh, comparables for David Pasternak. Cap Friendly does such a great job with these comparables. Uh, oh, Aaron num- is the number one guy. Number one comparable is Johnny Gaudreau. According to Cap Friendly, 94% match. I guess the point is there isn't a comparable. Yeah, like then. that's, well, I mean, that's this. So it's, uh, that was in Calgary last year. So that's with the contract or whatever. William Nylander on there. <laughs> Can I tell you, I watched Johnny Goodrow. I, I bet on Columbus the other night. So I watched them play Dallas. And I watched Goodrow. They're up one nothing, kind of puke one away on the empty net to Jason Robertson and kind of not really care. I, I don't know. That's a tough team to watch Columbus right now. I know they're, they weren't great and they're hurt and it's a bad spot and it's a tough year, but man. Like they, bad. What did Stutzla get? Well, I don't remember. Seven plus. But Stutzla had RFA years, not yeah. past. No, but they bought, they bought a couple UFA years. That's enough to. To bring it up, sure. But if there's up. some RFA years, and that's enough to bring it down too. It's not a comparable because you're straight UFA for Pasternak. I bet you they come in at eight years, nine and a half mil or nine mil for Pasternak. You think that's? Uh, what the, I bet you guys ain't getting twelve it done. I just have a he feeling like not. He's not. Uh, he's not gonna. Stutzla got eight point three million, by the way, for eight years. Yeah, and Pasternak's far better and no RFA years. Just to me, that that sort of organization Pasternak, and their internal like, cap stuff. I, I really he's on the number one line the past however long he's been around. Like yeah. him, Marchand, and Bergeron the have been only, regarded as the number one line. The only man who can stop David Pasternak is Dryden Hunt with the shoulder so shoulder of doom. Yeah. If you've seen the hit. There is a clip. He's he ran him this year. He's exciting. not in tonight, Sammy. No, he's not playing tonight. So you think you think David Pasternak's gonna get twelve million dollars? Well, I no, I don't I don't eleven and a half. It's up to him if you can't if, get less than if Panarin. he wants it. He may have to leave. Mm-hmm. <gasps> like Columbus would give him twelve. I have no doubt in my mind. Absolutely. So you think? So what do you think Boston's number for him is then? I yeah, think they'd like point. to get him around Charlie McAvoy at ten in that little area, that neighborhood. <laughs> but I think he's going to a bigger neighborhood. Yeah. He's moving to Kip's hood. Yeah. And like, you can't forget, too, that they're, all those guys are coming off devalued contracts. Like, what was Pasternak? He's making 6.6. For how long has, was he making that? I don't know. Five years? Six yeah. Years. See, he's tired of it. Yes. Right? And so is Marchand. Tired of six. seeing guys worse than you getting paid twice. Bergeron, like, missed the $10 million boat, but he doesn't care. Like you, you know he should have been a ten million dollar player. Yes. So he can't hit that. But those guys aren't going to waste their opportunities to hit it. Yeah. I wonder if this if, time around. if he does want to get twelve million or more than Panarin eleven point six one. I wonder if he would go play somewhere else, depending on his priorities. Yeah, and those years that he they've had him under contract for six point six since twenty seven. 
15, 2018, 35, 38, 48, 20 goals in 48 games, 40 goals in 72 games, oh, yeah. 21 and 31 this yeah. year. Decent value yeah. on that contract. I think he discussed you know, with himself, uh, the, his family, his agent, that if I'm going to take less, it is minimum 10 and a half. Yeah. Yeah, we're talking about maybe a eleven. Less. Yeah. So, fellas, Christmas vacation ahead here. You got a little mm. bit of a break, yeah. Sammy. What's on tap for you? So, I am flying to Los Cabos, Mexico, um, on Thursday morning. What could I'm, possibly go wrong? I have been seeing some videos float around my social medias about uh, traveling to parts of uh, the world uh, from Pearson Airport. I really do think it's going to be a miracle if I get out on time. <laughs> so, Thursday night, they're predicting so, a weather bomb, there, according yeah, to the Weather-wise or so, no, just, the challenges of Pearson International? A little of both, because I feel as though my window is exactly the scheduled time for the flight. I think it's a 9 a.m. flight that we're taking off. And if that baby gets delayed by a few hours, the weather starts flowing in. If we don't get out on time, I feel like we may not get out. I may just be having a white Christmas. Did you see that? Yeah, it's like a big weather issue starting. Yeah. Are your kids coming home for yeah. the holidays? Yeah. yeah. They're so, going to be in well before uh, Thursday, though. Okay. So, yeah. I'm really, really hoping that I uh, I get out on time, but I, I do have my concerns. I, I hear stories of people that at Pearson that can see their luggage, mm-hmm. and they can't get it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's on the other side of the counter, and it, I don't know whether or not it's been cleared or not, or what the issues are. Just give me that, but please. Like, can you just walk over there and just grab my bag for me, and I'll I'll, I'll quietly leave. I'll just be on uh, my way. Like, I won't uh, name no. I won't name the uh, company I'm flying with, but there was a video that I trickled into my feed that was a group of at least 250 people chanting "F U airline." <laughs> So, we'll see how things go, boys. Nothing like a vulgar airport chant. Sporting event. And and I'm traveling with my mom, my dad, uh, my sister, my nephews, my brother-in-law, my wife. Could be tense. Oh, man. Well, I hope you get out when you want to get out. Sometimes it it goes better than your Your, worst-case scenario. uh, You've got a tee-off time down there, too, right? Yeah, I got two two tee times. You're not taking your clubs. Oh, yeah. Oh, kiss them goodbye. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've, I've heard the airlines are really good at folding them up to make them fit in small spaces. <laughs> Your new Cobras. Oh, every, yeah, it's just not just me. Everybody is taking their gloves. It's going to be a disaster, boys. I know it already. That's fine. I'm going well, into we, it with low we expectations. Are the family traveling with two kids under six years old who have to bring Christmas presents with us. Oh, boy. In the boxes still. Right. Oh, and have so we have an extra suitcase of those that have to come home as well. Please tell me you're not assembling on the road. (laughs) Well, some of it, yeah. Oh my God, is that a disaster? Oh, it's a total. We are going to be that family at the airport that other families see and go, "Oh, thank God, that's not us." This phone has made things so simple in our lives, but they cannot fix the instructions to assemble things <laughs> no. it's gotten worse i'm it's like just vague I, I don't stick even figures, see the shape of this hammering. thing <laughs> they didn't send me the thing that's shaped like this on the piece of paper you know actually today i got uh sammy for christmas i got him a costco membership you yeah. know that, that which was, is a splendid gift i was i was really excited about it he gets the yes. box it's got a toad inside him he's married now he can go do the costco thing and there's just no gifts 
thing no, in it. No, no card. No, no card in it. <laughs> I was like, I really appreciate that tote bag. Thanks for the tote bag. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, that's the thing. We'll we'll get there and we'll find out what we're missing and see, well, he, he see could if the use elf on a shelf travels. <laughs> he could use it when he comes back and he needs to buy new clubs. <laughs> Kirkland wedges. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, How's the Kirkland uh <laughs> Kirkland Driver. Bag. Uh, Kirkland balls. Warrior Womp on YouTube says, Sammy stars in the new Home Alone movie. Who says yes? <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. All right. Run, run, Rudolph. <laughs> Our thanks to Mike Fuda, Keith Jones, and all of you loyal listeners out there, whether it's on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. We are so grateful for a tremendous 2000. And 22. Are we back before New Year's? You and I are. Sammy's done. Yeah. Oh, okay. See you Love the 28th. You. Love you, boys. Love Merry you. Christmas, Safe everyone. travels, Happy everybody. Holidays. All the best from Real Kipper and Born.